Hello and welcome back to the Accommodation Show. We help accommodation owners like you get the knowledge and skills that you need to grow your business, improve your guest experience, and increase your profitability. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Accommodation Show. I'm excited about this episode because we've got Daniel Cruz, who's joining us from Wash BNB. Um, we met on Clubhouse roughly around about maybe six months ago. Um, I've heard your story, but I think it's so fascinating. It's such an interesting idea that you've come up with that I thought, let's get him on the show. You'll have huge amounts of value to give to the audience and uh, help so- solve some of their problems. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bart. I'm really excited to be here and um, pleasure to partake and share the story and help some people solve their laundry and linen problems in the industry. Laundry and linen is what we'll be talking about today, folks. Um, I Obviously not the most exciting of topics, but quite an interesting topic and absolutely crucial when you're in a hotel or in the short-term rental space. And the, the, the whole point of this episode is actually showing you uh, how to solve some of the problems that actually come up with your laundries and linens. But before we get into it, Daniel, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, what this startup is all about and how it's solving problems in this space. Or maybe we'll come back to that in just a second, but uh, how about you introduce yourself? Yeah, definitely. So Daniel Cruz, my name. Uh, Wash Me and Be is the name of the startup that I started a little over a year ago. I had the good fortune of starting a travel and hospitality startup right as the pandemic started. Uh, but I'm actually originally from the San Francisco Bay Area. I grew up in the Napa Valley. And really, I lived in the same house until I was 17. And then I went all over the place. Um, Oregon, Hawaii, Memphis. I lived in Mexico, lived in Colombia and Peru. And somehow I winded up in Milwaukee. Um, I went back to San Francisco in 2008. Uh, my, most of my career, about 12 years in the beer and adult beverage industry. Um, so lots of travel. Um, hospitality has been a theme of my career, whether that be from the brand side or from restaurants <clears throat> all through college and even high school is when I, my first job during hospitality. And then um, I ended up in Milwaukee. I loved it here. It seemed like a great place to move and start a business. My original business, I was actually going to export spirits to uh, Latin America from the U.S. Whiskey has been a big thing, bourbon especially. Um, and so I was trying to ride that wave. Unfortunately, that business didn't work out due to some uh, international politics and trade um, issues we've had in the past you know, five, six years. And so I was looking at Airbnb that I just stumbled into Airbnb hosting in Milwaukee. Uh, that coincided really well with my travel schedule. I've got a really cool neighborhood that's up and coming. I loved sharing it, and as I sort of one business petered out, I looked down and I had this really successful Airbnb business that I didn't have to try very hard to build. Um, and so once I started applying myself to it and um, applying what I knew about hospitality, it became a full-time job and, and something that I've really fallen in love with, and that led to Wash B&B. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, so um, one thing that I do want you to share with the audience, and you told me about this earlier on, was that you do have a link back to Australia where this show is based out of. Um, you were talking about uh, beer. Um, what was the beer and what was that relationship there? Yeah, I used to manage the Cooper's brand in the U.S. Um, the beer that I worked for in, in San Francisco is called Anchor Brewing Company. Uh, you can find it in Australia. Uh, we do. We did export there. I'm pretty sure they still do through the Ulumba wine family. And uh, we just had a really great um, relationship with the Cooper's family. Sparkling Ale is actually a very unique style of beer that is invented in Australia. And the style of beer that I worked on was called steam beer in San Francisco, also very unique, had a very interesting history and process. 
So the two brands were a natural fit for each other. We uh, acquired the Coop, the rights from the Coopers family to import and distribute and market their beer uh, in North America or just in the U.S. And I was appointed brand manager for that brand. So I got to make it down to Australia. I was always obsessed as a kid with Australia. I grew up watching National Geographic. And so crocodiles and kangaroos and platypuses and uh, koala bears were all kind of the animals that I grew up like hoping to check out someday. Uh, and I got to do a nice, really cool tour around the country, spent some time in South Australia, wine country, drove the Great Ocean Road, a couple nights in Melbourne, and then I went back and did um, Port Douglas and Great Barrier Reef. Uh, spent some time in Cairns with um, where Julie lives, who's now our lead investor. Did skydiving there. I don't know. It's kind of like did a lot of everything. I love it there. So, like, there's two things that really strike me about you, and that's from talking to you in the past. One is that you're a bit of an adventurer, right? You don't really like to stay still. You like to move around, see different places, see different cultures, meet different people, which is kind of cool from our industry because it's all guests sort of focused. So you've done that side. Then you've got uh, the other side, which is which screams to me is the entrepreneurial side. And that's what I'm really interested in is the entrepreneur that goes into this new industry and goes, all right, I'm going to make some differences and make a change. Um, because I know that you talked about Airbnb, but the Airbnb for you, it's just a gateway onto seeing what the problems are for short-term rentals and going, hey, this isn't just short-term rentals. It's industry-wide that they've got this particular problem. I'm going to help solve it. So uh, tell me a little bit about the journey into Washbnb and, and how that came about. And Basically, folks, what we're talking about is is launching a startup into the um, accommodation stroke uh, hotel stroke short term rental space. So, yeah, tell me about how you got to, onto the stage of of coming up with the idea and then and then seeing validating the idea and and then going through to, to launching it. Yeah, definitely. The those great questions. The start of Wash B I think I trace back to staying in a lot of Airbnbs and a lot of um, I was a Starwood, you know, frequent stayer, whatever they call that, um, platinum member. I stayed, you know, 140 nights a year in hotels when I was traveling a lot for my previous career. And so to me, that was really the beginning of understanding like what a great bed, you know, feels like the components that come together and just being like a nerd and trying to understand how things work around me. Um, I dug into the Weston heavenly bed story. Um, I think it was when I was first when I was in grad school and then staying in a lot of Westons and Sheratons and W's aligned with that brand. I'd always sort of like note the differences in quality and, and look at the emails they would send you after you check out and see how much it costs to buy the sheets and just being blown away by like, we would buy like $900 sets of sheets. Um, and so always like, but when I got home, I would try to recreate that by not necessarily with white sheets, but you know, finding, you know, discovering as much information as I could about what makes a good bedding setup, what are materials you should be sleeping in, thread counts, all of that fun stuff. And when I started wash, when I started as an Airbnb host, I tried to replicate some of that stuff. I knew all white was the standard, so I dug in and learned a little bit more about that, and tried to buy hotel quality stuff for my Airbnb so I can have a good experience for my guest. Um, but what I found on on um, Amazon or at Costco was just tons and tons of microfiber sheets. So I knew that was one big problem I was up against. What is hotel quality? When you search hotel quality bedding. On Amazon, you get a quarter of a million results. Well, who do you know like what to buy? Uh, but it really wasn't I started thinking deeply about laundry as a problem until I expanded from one unit, which I ran successfully for about a year. And then I added two units and then another one um, almost immediately, all within like a two-month period. I was you know, relatively poor at the time. I was driving around to every Goodwill in town, buying you know, beds and furniture and you know, stocking the places all myself. 
but they're all on the same block. And what I quickly realized is at the end of checking out three reservations, I'd be staring at like a hundred pounds of laundry between 15 beds and you know hosting their, you know up to 20 guests. Um, so my solution was a college student. Her name was Kat Simpson. Now she's a co-founder. She loved doing laundry. She worked for Vacasa in the past in Oregon. Her parents owned an Airbnb in Oregon where she grew up. And she was a college student who had extra time on her hands and needed to make money. So we were like a match made in heaven. She helped me as a co-host. Uh, but every Sunday she spent about six to eight hours in a laundromat washing and drying and folding, you know, tons of guest linens and, um, and towels. So that was my solution for two and a half years. It worked really well. Um, I couldn't expand very much beyond that because I was like sort of at the limit of, of how much time she had available. Uh, but it allowed me to travel and do some other things. And then two things happened. I went back into working full time. I got a job at GE Healthcare here in Milwaukee and Kat graduated a few months later. And then she went to Europe for six months. And so I was then working a full time job, no laundry solution, called everybody back that I had worked with, you know, tried to see if they had solutions, if they were working with Airbnb hosts yet, um, and got back to the same position. So no laundry, no time now, uh, no ability to get it done. Milwaukee had just received the nomination to host the, the Democratic National Convention, which is a huge deal for the city. Um, Airbnb prices were going through the roof. Everybody thought that they were going to make, you know, life-changing amount of money in Airbnb in one week. And so I wanted to ride that wave. And I didn't know exactly how I could compete with the likes of like Sonder, which was looking at building uh, buildings in our neighborhood. And the more that I met them, I just realized that nobody had really great operating plans on the back end. Everybody wanted to chase the demand and get rich hosting during these big events in this big summer in Milwaukee that was supposed to be 2020, but nobody had any idea how they were gonna get all the laundry done. To me, that was a business opportunity um, that I'm familiar with in San Francisco where the gold rush produced lots and lots of wealth, but not from gold. It produced it from companies like Levi Strauss and Wells Fargo who provided services to gold miners. This was my opportunity, I thought, to build something to, to provide a service into this booming um, industry that I thought was going to explode in Milwaukee and then probably had a chance to, to do well outside of Milwaukee, given that every host I talked to talked nothing about like laundry and linens as a problem. Yeah, great. Okay, so that that's nice. So you, from an entrepreneurial point of view, you're looking at the industry, you're going, hey, you know, I can try to add more units and try to kind of get play the game where it looks nicest. But then you, when you look at back at it and you take a step back, you go, okay, what problems are people facing? And these are problems that you've probably foreseen that a lot of other people haven't foreseen are going to come up in terms of doing all the laundry and that sort of stuff. So, um, so then you decide to set up a company to help to solve this problem. So what does that look like? Uh, yeah, it kind of looked like me working a full-time job. Um, and trying to figure out if I had time to do this, um, what would it look like? recruiting some friends and people that I thought would be good. So obviously Kat was one of them. Brian um, ran operations for a small business. I thought he would be really helpful. Um, and I started doing a lot of reading. I just really like dove into, it's typically how I solve problems myself. I don't understand. I just do a lot of reading, a lot of research, um, breaking down the problems that Airbnb hosts face um, and who solves those problems really well. So leveraged heavily into my network to start talking with people that ran hotels and operations in hotels, housekeeping teams, um, and then looking into like what it takes to build something that can venture, that scale venturely. So using other people's money, because uh, I don't have a ton. And so 
uh, those are things I really just started like diving into and writing, not necessarily a business plan, but a huge collection of notes about what I would like my business to stand for, uh, whether laundry was the right thing to look at, or was it more like general services to help other hosts do their business really well. Um, and really just sort of diving into all of that, trying to get really good at it, um, and finally forming it into a plan. So I did that probably from November and December. And then January, I pitched the idea for the business to one of those hosts um, who I was talking about that was opening a lot of units in my neighborhood. And he bought it. He was like, this sounds like a great idea. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do all the linens and laundry in these apartment buildings that have tiny little washers and dryers. We could probably fit two towels in it at one time. And so, uh, and I was off to the races. I said, I got buy-in. I don't know what the company is going to be called yet or how we're going to do it. But I put a notice at my job. Uh, I was ready to leave that place anyways. It was not the right place for me. So... Uh, it was all the sort of like fuel and impetus I needed. And that was February 1st of last year. I sort of quit my job and started investing money into Wash b and understanding I was going to solve the problem. Great. So the, the your startup is actually still in startup stage. So it's obviously because you've only been around for a year. You're still figuring everything out. You're building and then you're going to need to figure out scale and all that kind of stuff. We'll come back to that in a sec. But just in terms of, okay, so you, you go to the market and you go, all right, cool, we're going to solve this problem with your laundry. Um, are you still doing the same thing that you did at the start? What does the product look like for right now that you're offering or the service? Yeah, we started very much with an MVP, um, the minimally viable product. And what we did, we took John, um, who's the name of the host, who set up uh, 10 units in Milwaukee. And we just said, you already bought your linens. We'll just take everything from you and wash it between stays and do what I had been doing basically at my own properties um, and extended that to his. And so we found some um, laundromats that would be great to work with and started looking into buying equipment to do the laundry ourselves, um, contacting other laundry facilities to see if they had capacity for us. And so Watch Me Be 1.0 was, you know, me, my truck, my co-founders, picking up and delivering and dropping and washing and basically doing everything very manually, but then building a plan and understanding like what the, what the touch points were, how could we work with larger laundry facilities so we didn't have to spend millions of dollars on our own laundry equipment? Um, how do we pair a linen rental component of this? Because as we discovered, every host we met was using some version of microfiber sheets. And I can go on and on and on about the reason why microfiber is bad and, and things like that. Um, but I knew that if we could get to what hotels used and get convinced hosts to use it, not only is it more sustainable, the quality is better, the guest experience is better, uh, but we would have an opportunity to, to consolidate excess capacity at these big industrial laundry facilities. So we started building that plan. And as soon as we got to started doing that, the pandemic really kind of shut everything down. Um, we all thought that we had made terrible mistakes and that maybe Airbnb was going to be bankrupt within a few months, um, ourselves personally as well. Um, and so we pivoted a little bit to doing laundry as a service for seniors and people that like, couldn't leave their home and didn't have laundry access in their homes. And that works really, that works really well. Um, it kept the lights on and kept us busy. Got it. It gave us a good story to tell as well. Um, and some local hoteliers picked up on that story and, and uh, this asked us if we were still willing to do the original Wash B&B idea. And so after a few months, we kind of went back to planning and building Wash B&B and eventually launched it in August last year. And it still pretty much looks relatively the same. We've added a few more things here and there, but it's still um, the premise of high quality, um, a very convenient service that works for hosts, um, done in a very sustainable way, in a very safe way. 
is essentially what we stand for and what we're still doing now. Right. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the marketing opportunity around the linens and the cleaning? Definitely. One thing I noticed as a short-term, like frequent, you know, hotel stayer, short-term rental guest myself, was that if you stayed at a large brand, you had a very consistent bed and bath experience. Some of that other things, you know, check-in, location could change from place to place, but typically you knew what you were going to get. But if you stayed at a short-term rental that was hosted by John in Milwaukee, and then um, by Sarah in Los Angeles, and by somebody else in Melbourne, uh, by Bart in Melbourne, you might have three completely different bed and bath experiences, different materials. Um, back in the early days, there might not even have been bed sheets, you had to bring your own or towels. And so one of the things that I knew would be really interesting to take a look at was standardizing that across different portfolios. And originally we started in the short-term rental market, but it turns out that boutique hotels really have this problem too. They don't necessarily have a full staff of uh, um, folks doing research and development, figuring out what the best bedding material is for them. They're really dependent on their distributors and their suppliers. And so what we realized what we could do is by standardizing a bedding program across multiple types of small accommodations providers, you can provide a sense of trust and a sense of quality and professionalization across different properties and different types. So we know our guests are staying at boutique hotels for a certain reason, at short-term rentals for different reasons, um, but they probably want the same sleeping experience and the same um, confidence that when they get out of a shower in their most you know, inopportune and vulnerable moment, that they have something that's gonna feel good against their skin, uh, be clean, professionally cleaned, and things like that. So I think that's really an opportunity we're looking at long-term. Probably not something that's vital right now when we have minimal scale, but if we talk about doing this at scale, how great would it be to also support our customers and send guests who love our bedding and love our products directly to their properties through some kind of, some sort of new feature through you know one of the OTAs or through our own website where we can direct people to practice and book directing, book, eh, direct booking traffic for our customers too. Yeah, so are you sourcing the linen yet? Yes, we are. Yeah, we have a great partner um, in Spain. They are actually um, billed as you know, sustainability is the cornerstone of their entire business and they've been doing it in the hospitality world for 45 years. So we've got great tracking from basically from cotton farm all the way through the system. Um, we're trying to prioritize for organic cottons wherever we can and we buy nothing but 100% cotton. Uh, so we've removed plastic almost entirely from our supply chain. The one area we have plastic is we provide cleaning cloths for housekeeping duties too. And there's some great properties for microfiber that, um, that work well for cleaning and for accreditation standards. Um, but other than that, zero cotton. Um, and we're trying to work direct as much as possible because we think there's really good opportunities for us to um, vertically integrate and then also branch out and perhaps sell bedding, great wedding bedding products that are sustainable and high quality um, to customers or offer that as a, as a perk to people for their favorite, um, their favorite uh, guests, you know, their VIPs and things as well. So if I've got a, if I'm running a hotel or if I'm running a short-term rental right now and I'm listening to this episode and I'm like, okay, cool, this all kind of makes sense. Where are the, the biggest opportunities for hosts right now that don't have access to wash B&B in terms of their linen uh, and their laundry? And uh, I guess from a, a two, two points of view, one, guest experience. I'd love you to talk about that. And the other one is in terms of branding of your own, of your own place, like what changes could people actually make um, after this episode, all right, I'm gonna go and do that. Actually, that's a great idea. Or even if it's not now, 
in six months or 12 months time when they do need to do upgrades to their linen what what uh what would you recommend yeah i would look and borrow heavily from the hotel industry since the early 90s companies like starwood marriott hyatt have been spending insane amounts of money and research and development and designing not just comfortable items but things that are durable for commercial use as well Um, and what i find really really interesting about all of that is if you go and try to buy bedding from direct-to-consumer company or anywhere else, Amazon, you're going to be bombarded by tens of thousands of options, thread counts and materials, different types of plastics, different types of natural materials. There's tensile, bamboo. It's dizzying. It's really, really complicated. And so we look at that set of what consumers are being told they should buy and how they get a good night's sleep versus what hotels are telling their guests how they get a good night's sleep or keeping some of that information internal to them. It's really interesting. It's almost 100% cotton everywhere you go between 250 and 400 thread count somewhere there. We like the three to 350 thread count is kind of our sweet spot. Um, per cow or most likely what you find is like a sateen finish, which are really great as well. And sort of borrowing from that industry, why don't we just say, hey, why don't we just keep it simple, stupid, is kind of one of the things we like to say, keep it simple, stupid that's the best sleep that you can almost get. It's really hard to replicate that at scale using all these different materials. You don't know how they're going to perform later. So try to find materials that do that. There's one problem with 100% cotton is that it wrinkles and it's hard to keep it wrinkle free. So if you don't have the ability to take things immediately out of a washer and dryer and keep that going, maybe look for something with a little bit of a a poly blend to it. Um, It's not the most sustainable, but it'll help you keep it from from wrinkling and if there are professional laundry services around that you're able to use and ask if they have um, ability to do ironing or flat work ironing is what it's called in the industry Um, but typically the reason washing exists is that a lot of those larger laundry facilities aren't open to people with not okay so we can go and we can change our linen and we can upgrade it we can go cotton if we want to go down that path and there are some challenges that comes up with that in terms of uh, the, the, the wrinkling or not wrinkling. I assume that also the cotton will last uh, longer. Um, now we go back to our marketing, put the marketing hat on uh, and we go, all right, great. If someone stays, they might have a better experience. So leave us a better review uh, and potentially come back more often. We've got more opportunity in terms of our brand. So people associate, oh, I remember having a great night's sleep there. But also in terms of uh, us going out to market and saying, hey guys, um, on I, I always talk to hosts about the key features of a property and say, hey, you know, you've got the, the hot tub, you've got the fireplace, uh, you're doing a breakfast hamper with these different great products in there. And then you could be also talking about what linen you're using and the difference that that actually makes. Have you done, have you got an, have you done any work in that particular space yet? You know, we don't have the budget to do a whole lot of like proprietary research yet. Um, definitely some of the things are on the roadmap. <clears throat> um, understanding what's important to guests as they book places so we can provide that feedback back to our customers and help them do their jobs better. But looking at it from the hotel industry, we know that guests spend the majority of their time either in a short-term rental or in a hotel, in bed or in the bathroom. It just happens to be when you're traveling, um, this is typically where you're spending most of the time and then if you're in the city, you're sort of out at dinner or maybe at some meetings if you're traveling for business. Um, so typically in the short-term rental industry, you see people spend more time in the place, but still a majority of that time is being spent either in bed or in the bathroom. 
So we think that's a great opportunity to optimize those spaces and really talk about it. You know, if you if you have a place that's a one bedroom that's great for couples or two bedrooms for two couples and people traveling in that, you know, you really want to promote your ability to provide them a great night's sleep. That's what they're there for the most part, right? They're traveling, but they really need your accommodations for a good night's sleep. Um, so we like to, you know, love to push forward on that. Um, and you go outside and beyond the linens. You can talk about the quality of your mattress, um, the the darkness of the room, the quietness of the room where you're able to sleep, um, the types of pillows or the quantity of pillows you're using, um, your ability to keep it really warm in the winter or cool in the summer. So fans in the bedroom and things like that. Uh, we've definitely seen, you know, our places ourselves perform well when we talk about the, the quality of the sleep. And even a place, I have a, a three bedroom home with like 10 beds in it. It's just a place for bachelor and bachelorette parties and wedding parties and things. You know, most of the time there's 10 people or 12 people sleeping there and there's kind of like spread out all over the place. That's a situation where I'm not as focused on providing, you know, ultra high quality mattresses and looking at the plushness of the feather top, you know, mattress toppers or things like that. Um, so it's also sort of understanding who your guests are, what they're traveling for and optimizing for them. In that space, I advertise heavily that you're able to sleep 12 people in this house. Um, you're able to spend the, you know, the wedding party or the bachelor party getting ready here um, and then going out in a great time in, in the city and then coming home and all having a place to sort of crash. Whereas the place I have that's very luxurious and mostly caters to couples um, in town for concert concerts or things during the summer, um, then that's very much, there's a, a lovely like cocoon to sleep in, a dark bedroom that's nice and cool, nice you know poster frame bed, uh, really high quality linen, um, all of that. And the funny part is they both use the same linen. Uh, it's just about how you sort of advertise or talk about that to your guests. Yeah, I love it. And I, I love that rather than talking about linen itself, you're actually talking about the experience of using the linen. So that therefore it's all about the actual, the quality of night sleep more than anything else. Um, and pushing that and just saying, hey, that's something that's important to us that you actually get a good night's sleep because uh, we don't ever think about that when we're booking. We assume we're going to get a good night's sleep. But if we can actually say, hey, this is part of the experience that people go, oh, that's great. I, it's good to know that if uh, even if I'm traveling on business as well, that's important to me. And it's one of the first things when I check into a hotel room, I'm like, oh, is it going to be noisy? Oh, God, it will be. I've got some really important meetings the next day. So I really love that tip. Uh, Daniel, we are running out of time very quickly. I'm going to ask you just quickly about your, so right now I understand that you are raising funds from, um, it's kind of that first round, the seed round of mums, dads, friends, fools, that sort of thing. Uh, and then you'll be scaling. Tell us a bit about um, that investment journey and what an investor would expect uh, in terms of if they wanted to to get on this journey with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, coming out of this with no startup experience myself, even though I lived in San Francisco for 10 years and had a lot of friends that worked in startups, I was sort of toiling away in the beer industry, making zero money and, um, and having a really good time with my life and traveling a lot. Um, so coming into starting a startup and reading the news about startups, I just assumed like, hey, you've got this great idea. You can put a couple of co-founders together, show that somebody's willing to pay for it show up at uh, on Sand Hill Road in Silicon Valley, knock on a couple doors and walk away with a few million dollars and um, then you're off to the races. It turns out that if you're from Milwaukee and you're Latino or you know you just don't fit the profile of going to Stanford or Harvard and having this really great connection to venture capitalists, that's actually quite re almost impossible to do uh, as a first timer. And so what I found um, over the last year and a half is that there has to be a different way for companies like this to get founded. 
we have a lot of assets that we need in our in our business. We hire a lot of people. We're moving around heavy things like linens back and forth. These are all things that for most people building internet companies aren't that super attracting into. Uh, but there are a lot of like operators who are interested in it. Turns out Airbnb hosts are interested in, in doing something like that. So we sort of stumbled into equity crowdfunding, uh, which has been a really a great boon for us. In, and it's how we're going to basically source the initial capital we need to prove that we can do this really well, that our customers love it and are willing to pay for it. And then two, that we can scale it. So those are the things that um, we need to prove before we can basically go back to big investors. And we're doing that through uh, what's called equity crowdfunding. And that just means almost like a public company, we're selling the right to future shares in our in our business um, for a price um, that's you know documented. And you can, go, you can check that all out on the WeFunder, the platform that runs this for us. It's a great way to democratize access to startups. Um, who would have loved to invest in Airbnb, in Uber, you know, 10, 10 plus years ago when those investments were worth maybe a few million dollars a piece? Um, it turns out that in the US, it's actually quite hard to do that. And so these new rule changes make it a lot easier to do that for people. Um, whether you're a credit investor or not a credit investor, um, whether you're my mom or my dad or my co-founder's parents or my uncle or somebody you just met me on LinkedIn for the first time and you're interested in investing, um, we're now able to take investment dollars from all that. So it sort of democratizes the, the process, um, which is great for investors and also great for companies. I mean, Wash B&B, if you're in this industry, you know it needs to exist. Um, and people are always shocked that it doesn't exist yet. And when we talk about it, you know, almost every host in the room will instantly find us on the internet, um, figure out if they're available, if we're available in their city, get really mad when they're not, and like start, you know, asking us all kinds of questions. So we want to turn that into momentum. We want to turn that into a story that we can tell. Um, eventually, we will need some bigger investors. This is a, a big project, right? We want to be in Australia. We want to be in the UK. We want to be in all the cities in the US where there are people, you know, using different types of accommodations. And the only way we can get there is, is to prove that we have something that, that, that works well, really well from a business perspective. And by not having to sort of sell our soul in the beginning, um, we're able to source that money from Airbnb hosts, prospective customers, competitors have invested in us through this um, way. Um, so it's been a really great way for us to increase conversations with people, um, share our story in a very public way, um, build in public, which is important for us. You know, we're not hiding anything. We've got all of our finances up there and everything. So it's just been a really, really fun addition to what we're doing. Beautiful. Okay, Daniel, I'm going to wrap that up. Thank you so much. Um, we will have all the links in the show notes. Folks, if you have watched the episode, make sure that you do leave us a like, give it a subscribe as well, um, so that we can keep the show going. Uh, thanks a lot for everyone that's been listening, and we will catch you next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bart. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can find us at theaccommodationshow.com where you can find all the show notes, links to resources we have talked about, and transcripts from the show. I really do appreciate you listening. And if you'd like to support the show, then please subscribe, leave a comment, and share it with others.